Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. One Broken Cog, I am Brian Olson. You know, I love marketing. Getting in front of the right person at the right time with the right message, you know, it's really an art form. And that brings me to my guest today, who is the owner of DrRissy'sWriting.com, a marketing and writing company ranked the top PR and social company in New Jersey by Thumbtack and GenZPublishing.org, a publishing company which has produced six Amazon bestsellers. Now, she holds a doctorate in literature from Drew University and has a master's in communication, and she's none other than Marissa Schwartz. Now, some background on Marissa. She broke a Guinness World Record for creating the world's longest chain of bracelets, is a best-selling author, has sung on MTV, speaks professionally about inspiring others through words and entrepreneurship, and was named the voice of Generation Z by Community Magazine. Now, she seeks to inspire others through words and a positive attitude. Marissa, welcome. Thank you. What an intro. I appreciate that. Anytime. I appreciate you, too. You're doing great things out there. Now, I have to ask you right out of the gate, how did you end up singing on MTV? I would love to hear that story. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up with shows like American Idol and just kind of idolizing every single person in that show. I uh, came out when I was, you know, a little kid. So super impressionable. And uh, just it became a dream. Like I needed to sing on a show like that. So, you know, as I was growing up, I, I just kept, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, I have to audition. And I was always too young. And then I finally became of age to audition for American Idol. And it turned out American Idol auditions are very different than what they show on television. It's more like, you know, your, your cattle. Like basically we had to like stand outside for hours. My father went with me because I was 16 at the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, it was not what I had imagined at all. So I, I did that. I'm like, <laughs> so I didn't audition for American Idol again after that, but I still had my ears open for any other singing shows. Um, you know, at that time I had sung at so many local community events. I had done some like local competitions um, and some online competitions and I just loved them. So I was still always having an ear out for any kind of, you know, American Idol-esque singing shows. And then when I was in college, um, I saw this ad for an MTV show, a brand new MTV show in the kind of same nature as The Voice. Uh, so I applied and that was January. That was in January. I applied uh, January 2014. And uh, I, I made it through like one round of auditions, and another round. Then I didn't finally find out that I was actually going to be on the show until August of that year. So it took like eight months to get through all those online auditions. I found out that I made it. They said the words that I've been dreaming of since I was a kid of you're going to Hollywood. Um, and it was like the coolest thing in the world. That was, you know, just Zoom and Skype auditions. So they flew me out to Hollywood. I got to compete on the show. It was literally MTV's version of The Voice called Copycat. It only lasted one season. It was not very highly rated, but I came in the top five. I had a lot of fun and I got to live out my dream of singing and being a contestant on a reality singing competition show. That's awesome. Was there any pressure there? Was it nerve wracking? It was very nerve wracking. You know, I, I wouldn't admit it then whenever somebody would be like, are you nervous? I'd be like, nah, but oh my gosh, I was very nervous, but it was 
one of the best experiences of my life. I had never been to Hollywood before that. So I got to do that. I met some amazing people there. Like the hosts of the show, I'm the biggest mean girls fanatic. And the guy who played Aaron Samuels, Jonathan Bennett hosted the show. So I got to meet and talk to and joke around with Jonathan Bennett. Like what bigger dream could a mean girls fan have? So (laughs) it was very nerve wracking, but it was a lot of happy, joyful moments sprinkled in to kind of ease the, the tension. That's awesome, you know, and then next you could have went on Jersey Shore, but uh, instead you started a marketing company. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> now, I got to ask you also, what is your favorite go-to karaoke jam? You know, here's the thing. So I'm a, a big rock music fan. I love rock music, but I don't have the persona, the looks, the personality to pull off rock music convincingly without looking like a really sad, you know, attempt at somebody <laughs> trying to rock music. So I always wind up doing pop and it's usually a Beyonce, Alicia Keys or Kelly Clarkson song because the three of them just have these like jazzy, so soulful kind of voices. And that's how my voice tends to come out. Um, which I think is kind of as close in pop as you can get to rock. So that's usually why I wind up singing. So my go-to is probably um, Fallen by Alicia Keys. I think that's probably one that I've sung the most at karaoke. Nice. Yeah, no, Kelly Clarkson definitely has that kind of rock edge. And, you know, rock was built on the blues. And, you know, like you say, they're very soulful and very groovy music. So, yeah, it's a natural fit, right? Yeah, absolutely. But if it were up to me, I would be able to sing Jack White music to perfection, but I have not learned how to do that just yet. Maybe after a couple of shots, you'll give it an attempt, right? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So Marissa, what led you stepping on your own and starting DrRissyWriting.com? Yeah, so when I was in high school, my friends started getting jobs at the mall that they were miserable with. And I was like, I have to find something that I could do so I don't have to do something that I hate. Uh, So my mother suggested this freelance website that she read about in one of her women's magazines. I signed up and I actually signed up. I thought I would be a freelance singer. So my first service I offered on this website was hire me. I will sing your song for three minutes. And, you know, you pay me 50 bucks and I'll sing the song. But it turns out people didn't want to pay a 16 year old recording songs in her basement on like, you know, her crappy iPhone. So that didn't work out. So that was my first foray into freelancing. But then on that same site, I saw that somebody was looking to have her children's horror book edited. And at that point, I had self-published a book. I had a love for writing and words. So I I knew I could do that well. So I I did. I applied for the job. I got the job. I edited her book. It went really well. She referred me to a friend who referred me to another friend. And before I knew it, not only did I not have to get a job at the mall, but I had a a freelance business that I didn't even intend to start. And uh, then I had clients asking, Hey, can you do SEO? Can you do social media? And uh, we're going a few years, you know, I started 10 years ago in in high school, but now I'm, I'm, let's say I'm college age. And I have these folks asking me for these other services. And some of the things I learned myself, like SEO, I learned myself and I started writing with SEO in mind, but other things like graphic design to go along with social media. I was hiring folks, uh, a lot of people who I went to school with actually, so they had similar backgrounds and just kind of grew a team through that. So then as I was getting my master's and as I was getting my doctorate, I continued to grow this team with experts that I met. And I guess the higher that I went in my education, the 
hire, I hired people, you know, I went from hiring fellow college students to fellow master's students. Um, and, and that's really helped because, uh, that's something that sets us apart where we're competing against people who are hiring people, uh, who, you know, don't have credentials or don't, aren't native English speakers to, to write something. And you can usually tell the quality often suffers. Whereas we have these credentials where, um, you know, educated and, you know, my, my doctorates in literature were educated in writing. And, um, yeah, so that's really, that's how I grew it just kind of organically without even really planning to, I didn't have a business plan for Dr. Rissi's. It just went from being a freelance business to growing into this thing that, you know, people, uh, have really liked because we, you know, we get results and we, we produce quality content. That's amazing. No, you definitely have the charisma the drive, the work ethic and the qualities there. Like you mentioned, now I know you have a very unique approach to marketing PR. And you have this awesome 360 approach. Would love to hear about this. Yeah. So when people hear that we are writers and we do SEO, they go, well, why do you do ads too? How does that fit in? That seems like something totally different. But it's actually not because when you're marketing, you should have a 360 approach. If you're only advertising in one place, uh, people aren't going to see it. You know, they're not, you're not going to get the same value. You're not going to get the same viewership and engagement and eventually conversions as you would if you were everywhere. So for example, uh, you know, if we do social media on a website, not only are we doing that social media just for engagement, but we're also having ads in mind so that when we put out an ad, it's branded with the social media. And if somebody looks at the ad and they say, Hmm, let me see if I like this company. Let's see if they're legit. They're going to look into your social media. So you should never actually do ads without a, a social media. And the same goes with SEO. If you're doing your social media, well, it should improve your SEO rankings. When you search for a person or a company, the first thing that comes up is usually their Twitter. And that's, there's a reason for it. It's because of how frequently it's updated. So your social media has a lot to do with your SEO. And on the same token, if you're writing, say a blog for SEO, you can share that on your social media. And then the same goes for PR. So the four pillars of 360 are PR, SEO, ads, and social media. And they all go hand in hand because good PR will lead to great SEO and give you good fodder for your ads and your social media. So I'm a big believer in all of those components going together and being used to make sure that a business company, artist, or author can't fail. No, I love that. Now, if you were to say to somebody like maybe a potential client or maybe even a doubter, right? Because there are companies out there that specialize in PR alone or SEO alone. And they're always telling people that, hey, go with us and the world will change for you and you'll achieve all of your goals. What would you tell them as far as these buckets, you know, PR, SEO, social media, and Google ads needing to work together in unison? What would you, what would be your elevator pitch to that? Yeah, I would never say to just, so if somebody says, oh yeah, all of our marketing is covered because we hired a PR agency, you're missing out on so much because if you're, let's say you're hiring a PR agency to get you on New York on, on the New York Times website. Great. So you're on the New York Times, but what if somebody wants to follow you? What if somebody wants to keep engaged with you? If you don't have social media and you don't have a newsletter, then that PR opportunity has been wasted because people are, are lazy uh, and, and busy and they're not going to have time to investigate and find you know, all, all your stuff. You need to be the one to make the effort to keep them engaged. So definitely it just, it just makes sense. It's like, I always say not having SEO is like having a store at the mall without having a sign up front to show people, you know, what your store is, they, or, or at least being on the, on the little idio locator, the little map in the middle of the mall, people, if they don't see you on there, they're not going to know that you exist. 
No, it's true. And I know the algorithms are always changing. It's a very tricky subject. Now, what about if people are utilizing social media and PR with a help SEO organically, or is that something that needs to be taken care of separately? Uh, it, it doesn't, it helps it a little bit, but it is good to have specific keywords in mind and to put out regular blog articles for your SEO. So yes, if you have an article come out on New York Times on the New York Times website, when somebody Googles your name, they're going to find that New York Times article, which obviously that boom, there's your SEO, you're right at the top. Um, but it, it would be wise to coordinate those efforts with your website and, and have everything branded. So let's say you have an article come out in the New York Times and on your website, you put out an article with uh, whatever specific keyword you want to target. So, you know, I have a, a doctor that I work with. He's really big on selling people D3 vitamins. He believes they can really treat a lot of different things or, or prevent a lot of different ailments. So on his website, it would be wise for him to target uh, the keyword like B3 vitamin supplements, and then put out articles about that. So when somebody does type his name, boom, they see all the supplements and they can purchase it right from him. That's awesome. Now, what if you had a client that said, hey, can I pick and choose like a menu, which one I want to start with? Or is, are you adamant that no, this, this is a package deal? Uh, we do do that. with. So what we usually do with clients is if they want to just start with one thing, that's fine, but we build it into a plan for them. Or if, they, you know, we have some people that are on a very tight budget, especially nowadays. So let's say they come to us for PR. I help them to make sure that they personally are posting on their social media. So I have this client who I love him. I think he's great. He doesn't have the budget for me to handle the social media, but once a month, he and I do consultations where I tell him, okay, on Monday, you should post this. On Wednesday, you should post this. And I'm kind of going over what he's done and helping him to coordinate that. So he's doing that piece on his own. So usually if we're working with a client, we make sure that the other pieces are at least covered by somebody on their team for them to get the full effects of them. Now, what if somebody mentions to you, hey, Marissa, you know, I'm not getting the amount of engagement or likes that I'm expecting. Is that crucial? You know, is a number of social media followers and likes really that important to a business's success or is it just more the content? It's a little bit of both. I mean, engagement's important. So you can have somebody who has a million followers, but if they're only getting five likes per post, that's not good. Well, you need to have some balance. So if somebody, if somebody only has 500 followers, but they're getting a hundred likes per post, that's great. So it's a matter of looking at those kind of results, seeing, you know, what the numbers are actually telling us and also looking at those likes. So if you see that 50 of those, let's say the client is a a realtor who works with people only in the Los Angeles area. And you see 50 of those likes are from people in Hong Kong. You go, okay, there's something wrong here. We're not targeting the right people. Uh, And you, you know, you adjust the strategy. So there are so many variables that come down to deciding whether or not it is uh, successful but the, 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 I think the best indicators are seeing how many leads are coming through their door that are within their specific target audience and then how many conversions uh, come in in their specific audience. Yeah, I agree. And I was going to ask you if likes equals leads, right? You know, it's exhausting. I mean, you go on all these social media platforms and what do you like? How often do you like? I mean, of course, more entertainment gets likes, business stuff doesn't really get many likes. So does it really matter? So it's, it's really interesting, the fact that people are so consumed with likes and popularity versus actual leads, you know, yeah. quality over quantity. It's, it's very, very interesting. Now, Marissa, out of all the buckets we talked about, PR, SEO, social media, Google ads, what are your, your clients struggling with the most when they've come to you? Where are they really lacking in those areas? 
It depends on the client. One of the biggest things that I see is the scenario that I mentioned before, where they'll have say a thousand followers on their Facebook, but they only are getting one to two likes on each post. And that's where I know there's a disconnect. And it's, and I usually tell them, I don't think it's necessarily that those thousand people are seeing their posts and just saying, Oh, I, I don't like this. So I'm not going to give it a thumbs up. I think that what happens in those cases is that people aren't seeing it because of the algorithm. So I would usually recommend that they start with an ad. Uh, we, we do like a likes campaign or a leads campaign to get those people re-engaged. And then they see their numbers go up. And then we also get those folks to sign up for say an email newsletter where, you know, emails don't, don't just show your posts to 10% like Facebook does. Emails are going to show it to everybody. And, you know, a, a good email campaign can get as much as like a 95% click-through rate. So, Usually it's starting there or, you know, I've had clients where their websites are just so bad. So we do a website redesign because the website, you know, that's your storefront. We do a website redesign, make sure it's optimized so people can actually find it. But really the social media profiles and the website are, are the, the pillars. And then the other things like PR, I wouldn't recommend doing that until you have those pillars correct. Because let's say you have a, an article come out in a really popular website uh, or magazine or TV show, you know, people are enticed enough to look you up and then they see a crappy website and no social media presence. You just lost those leads. So you want to make sure that those pillars of your website and social media profiles are good in good shape before you do ads, before you do your PR, because that's, what's going to bring the traffic. Well, that's great advice, Marissa. I really appreciate that. And that brings me to another question. And there's a lot of people out there, entrepreneurs who just recently started a business and they've told me that, hey, I don't even have a website. I just went to market and I'm hugely successful. Do you think that's a myth? Do you think that's reality or do you think it's just them you know, trying to uh, perpetuate some type of fraud on their audience? It sounds, you know, website is a loosely defined word. Those folks are usually the click funnel folks where they're like, oh, I don't have a website. I have a click funnel. Um, so that's what I'm guessing those, those people are doing, which is still kind of like having a website, it's a landing page, or if they're just doing it from a social media platform, I've actually seen that, um, there's, uh, somebody who I follow on TikTok, she's an absolute sweetheart and she has a tie dye business and I went and she doesn't have a website, but she has a great Facebook presence, a great TikTok presence and a store right on Facebook. So in a case like that, Facebook is her website, but you know, it's not the eighties where you could just close a, a call, like just do phone calls. Like, I don't know what those folks are doing where they say they don't have a website. They have something that's acting as a website, whether it's a Facebook page, a landing page with a click phone, something like that. But there, you always have to have that storefront online. Yeah, no, for sure. It's a great first step. Now, how do you think if you were to give some advice to people out there on how to differentiate, really stand out, what would you do? What do you think the first step would be? Be authentic. I, I learned that, I guess, kind of the hard way where my first few years, I'd make a lot of videos. I do a lot of video content because that's people like to see you. And originally in the videos, I tried to be very professional and it, they were boring. But then once I started adding humor and my personality into them, I, I'm not saying this, I'm, I, I got 1.8 million views this month or yeah, this month because I started being authentic. It's amazing the difference that that makes. So I went from literally, I mean, I was getting a thousand, a thousand views. I was happy, but 1.8 million because I started being authentic, um, being entertaining. Like you said before about, you know, people engage more with entertaining rather than business content. Right. Um, it's about making the business content entertaining and mixing it. So I do about 
maybe 66% of my posts are not directly business related. So like this morning, I posted a video about how um, Orwell's book, there's a version of it where it's like a scratch off book. So you have to read it in order to scratch off the title. Now that's not inherently tied to my specific business. I'm not talking about what I do. But when people see that, they go, oh, yeah, there's Marissa. That's right. I, I want to look into her new course or, oh, yeah, I want to um, you know, contact her about doing our, our PR. Uh, so just by staying in, in their site and in their mind, even if it's not specifically related to your website saying, oh, we're having this big sale, it does. It, it still works as marketing. And that's why I think TikTok is so successful because you really don't see ad ads on there. People aren't saying, hey, purchase Pepto-Bismol because it will cure your symptoms. They're saying, you know, uh, I, I fell off my bike yesterday and this is the story of how it happened. And then in their bio, you can click and buy Pepto-Bismol. Like that's where ads are going, where they're just entertaining content. So that's what I found, just being authentic and being entertaining. Yeah, it is more native, right? They work it in the conversation. It's it's much more seamless. And you're, you're right, TikTok, it's it's quick, it's engaging, and it's really great at bridging your personal brand to your business. Yeah. It's uh, it's very innovative and you know, it's it's it, the influencer market is huge right now, right? That's a, that's a big big push. Now, Marissa, out of all of your services, if you had to scale back and only focus on one and say this is the most crucial to a business's success, what would it be? What's the key pillar that you want to start with? It depends on the business. Um, I, I think that knowing your branding uh, is probably, and that's not a part of like, that's not a 360 pillar, but I think before anything else, you need to have a good idea of who you are, what you want to say. Uh, you know, I worked with a company that was an insurance company and they had a very good idea of their branding. They didn't want anything humorous. They wanted it completely professional. They had their branded colors, everything like that. That was really good. Whereas I worked with another client who they were very specific. They want every piece of content to be humorous and each uh, post to be like a meme. Having that idea before doing anything else is great. It, it leaves you accountable and it's just a really good starting point to keep in mind through all the content that's created and anything that you do put out there. Nice, nice. Now, I got to give you a lot of credit. You know, you're ranked at the top in New Jersey and top 10 in New York by Thumbtack. How did you achieve this? How did you get there? Yeah. So really just going above and beyond for our clients. You know, just a simple example. I learned this from my freelance days. I was noticing that other freelancers were giving limits on the amount of revisions that they would make on something that they edited or a, a social media post that they wrote. And I thought, how ridiculous. Why wouldn't you want your client to be completely satisfied? Like, I, so I started saying, you know, I will revise it until you're happy. You're like, why? It just makes zero sense. Why they would say, oh, we'll only do two revisions on your um, social media posts. It's like, no, I want to make sure my client's happy. Like, I'll revise until you're happy. And usually... There's only one or two revisions, if anything, but clients like to know that you have their back, that you're going to make sure that they're happy with it. Um, so like little things like that, we always meet our deadlines. I'm, I've written articles on procrastination, which is the opposite of procrastination, where I do everything early. So in school, if I was assigned something, whether it was a 20 page paper or whatever, and I carried this even through grad school, I did it the day it was assigned because then it was fresh in my mind. And, you know, there are some drawbacks to that type of work style, but uh, there are also a lot of positives. And um, I definitely have everybody on my team operate like that. We always do things early, make sure everything is always on time um, and make sure that our clients are always satisfied. We're very communicative with them. 
And uh, also the, the quality of our content, the fact that everybody on the team does have an advanced degree. Yeah, it, it all really helps. I grew up in my parents' mom and pop carpet shop. So I learned the importance of small business and small business values from the time I was a week old, the first time I visited their store. So um, I think that I carried that into what I do and people appreciate it in the online world where that is a bit rarer because it is such a, a big world. No, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Now for your early clients at first batch, where were they getting it wrong in regards to marketing? What were they struggling with the most in your eyes? A lot of them just, they weren't putting out enough content. So, you know, let's say they put out a blog article every four months. Well, that's not really helping your SEO. Or they put out a social media post only on holidays, which is the biggest mistake because everybody puts out social media posts on holidays. If somebody sees, hey, Merry Christmas from, you know, uh, Mary Joe's cookies, it's not doing anything because it's buried under a million other people wishing or a million other companies wishing Merry Christmas. So I think that consistency and um, posting regularly, that's one of the biggest things. And people get fearful to do it because they don't want to put out things that aren't quality, but there is a way uh, to find a happy medium and post quality consistently. And I think that way is through having a clear branding strategy and uh, planning. There you go. No, I love it. Now, you were also named the voice of Generation Z. Would love to know what led to this and, and what your perspective is on Gen Z. Yeah. So this was back before there was, they were calling Gen Z, what's now known as Generation Z. They were called the Founders Generation. So I started uh, my company, Gen Z Publishing not meaning it to refer to the generation, but more or less people with a new forward way of thinking. And uh, it turns out that then just like a year or two after I did that generation Z became a real thing. They weren't just the founders. And I, when I was born, I was kind of on the cusp between millennial and Gen Z. And now I'm technically considered an old, <laughs> a young millennial, but um, CM community magazine did an article on me and based on my company and uh, the stuff that I was up to, they titled the article, meet the voice of generation Z and just what a compliment that was um, that they said that they titled an article about me that even though now that they changed generation Z uh, years, I'm technically a, a young millennial. How were you able to land that article? Um, I wrote, so back then, what I, it's actually a very similar pitching process that we do now. I emailed the editors and said, Hey, I started this business. It's a, at that point, it was my book publishing company. I have a book publishing company. Um, I'm a, a recently graduated college student and uh, I would love it if you would be interested in interviewing me about this book publishing company. Um, and I told them about the company and, uh, they responded yeah, we would love to interview you. That's so cool that you started a book publishing company. Let's do this. And that was pretty much it. There you go. Congrats. Now, I know one of the hot topics right now in marketing and advertising is Clubhouse. Everybody's talking about it. Some people love it. Some people hate it. What are your thoughts on Clubhouse? I'm on Clubhouse. And I think the concept is really cool. It's almost like a bunch of real-time podcasts. Like That's how it feels to me. And I, I might eat my words because it is so new. But at this point, I just find it boring. Like it's almost like sitting down at the radio, you know, and like, yeah. listen, it, it's, I don't know. I, I, it's, I would rather listen to a well edited 
finished podcast than just a bunch of people talking, you know, about a topic. Like I haven't quite gotten it yet, but I have not been a big participant. Like I haven't actually spoken. I've only listened. So, and I'm still very new to it. So I might eat those words. Um, but since it's so new, I just, at this point, I just don't fully get it. But I felt that way about TikTok uh, two years ago. I joined, and I went, oh my gosh, this is just for kids. This is stupid. And I cut to now where I'm the biggest TikTok fan and it's my favorite platform. So that might be Clubhouse too. It's, you know, it's always a little difficult to adjust to a new platform. Yeah. They end up winning you over. You never know, right? Exactly. Well, Marissa, it's been awesome. Any last words of wisdom or any final thoughts you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap up? One thing is TikTok is not just for kids. Anybody who's looking to get out there and to reach a new audience, I do think that's the way of the future. And um, yeah, no, but it's been great talking with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, absolutely. Pleasure's all mine. Now, last question, Marissa. It's just a personal question just to get to know you just a little bit better. So you're going to be on an island for the rest of your life, retired and happy. You can only bring one book, one movie, and one album. What would they be? Okay, so the book would be Tools for Titans by Tim Ferriss. Uh, it's a really long, I think it's like 2,000 pages, but it's essentially just words of wisdom by all these amazing people that Tim interviewed. Uh, and they say such great things, and there's quotes in there, there's humor, there's everything. I love that book. And he, he had a follow-up to it as well, which was good, but not as good. Um, for the movie that I would bring, that's a toughie. That is a toughie. I would, <laughs> that is a toughie. I would probably say Little Nicky, which is a terrible movie. It's just terrible. You know, that was a great, I, you know, I thought it was so stupid when it came out, but I watched it and I thought it was hilarious. That it and is. Grandma's Boy. That and Grandma's Boy both. I thought this is a stupid movie. And I loved them. <laughs> yeah, the reason I would take Little Nicky, though, it's a movie I saw for the first time when I was eight and I loved it when I was eight. And uh, it just always brings that kind of comfort. And it is funny. And I have watched it a good hundred times. So, you know, if that's the one movie I'm going to have, it's, it's that comfort food. I know it's, you know, it's not, yeah, it, it just, it's that comfort food kind of movie. That I, I think it. you would need. And uh, for album, that would be Lazaretto by Jack White, which is just the most brilliant music of the century. It's, it's amazing. There you go. Marissa, how do people get in touch with you, connect with you, utilize your services? Uh, so I am everywhere on every social media account um, under uh, Marissa Schwartz. That's Marissa with an O. Uh, also, Dr. Rissy. Yeah, pretty much if you search Marissa Schwartz, you'll find me everywhere. Or Dr. Rissy, you'll find me everywhere. You cornered the market on that name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're both rare names. That's the, that's the good thing. Like growing up, it was bad because I could never find anything personalized. But now I appreciate it because social media and, and online, I'm the only one with this name. There you go. I love it. Marissa, it's been wonderful. Have a beautiful rest of the day. Let's Thank stay you. connected and keep up the good work. Thank you. Absolutely. You got it. Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line.